Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. Welcome to Real Estate Hackers, where you'll hear how real estate investors grew something from nothing. Property management is going to become more technical. Our entire business today is based off of a hack. What if you could put $1,000 into an apartment building project on your phone? With YouTube, with podcasts, you can catch up very quickly to a seasoned investor. Now here's your real estate hacker host, Chad Gallagher. Welcome to the Real Estate Hackers Show, where we talk to actual investors who use systems and tech to scale out their business and where they see this all going in the future. Before we get to this week's guest, a few words from our partners and friends of the show. This show is brought to you by Slate House Property Management. Slate House manages over 3,500 units across the Mid-Atlantic, including Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Maryland. Property management is sure not the sexiest industry, but what makes Slighthouse unique is it was founded by investors and engineers. Slighthouse has built or licensed over 12 different technologies to improve returns for investors and make better living experiences for tenants. Full-time maintenance guys help work get done quicker at a reasonable price. Slighthouse manages properties for many of the guests on this show and has helped them scale their business while they focus on acquiring properties. For more information, go to slatehousegroup.com, call 717-413-6976, or email service at slatehousegroup.com. Look forward to talking to you. What up, guys? I'm pumped at the Trent Hive here today. Alex Felice. Did I say that right? You did indeed. All right. On the... On the uh, real, I almost said the wrong show. On the real estate hacker show here today, uh, this is awesome. We uh, so Alex is a stud, and I can't wait to hear or uh, myself as well as the other folks everything he's been doing in uh, in real estate. I think you guys are going to learn a ton about this. Alex, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am just as pumped as you. All right, although you can't see it, but Alex has this bright pink shirt on, which just gets me excited. Like we're going to do this. Um, okay, so. Alex, take me back. Uh, you, you're living in Las Vegas. I was living in Las Vegas. Um, I had bought a rental in North Carolina. And oh, Stop here. Why the heck would you buy a rental in North Carolina if you live in Las Vegas? Well, the rent to price ratio in Las Vegas makes it um, inefficient to buy rentals. Interesting. So in Las Vegas, if you spend... Uh, let's see. If you want to get twelve hundred dollars in rent, you got to spend one hundred and fifty thousand. If I want to get twelve hundred dollars in rent in um, Fayetteville, I can spend ninety. Wow. Okay, that that's a good reason. So, um, you know, I hear sometimes I tell people I, I tell people that I invest in real estate, and they I, I hear sometimes people. Well, first off, people love making excuses in in the world. I've found the tenants tear the places up. <laughs> and um, but one excuse I love to hear is, yeah, it just doesn't work in fill in the blank area. Uh, it doesn't work in many areas. That's 100% correct. And uh, not all strategies work the same in all areas. Um, so I do agree with that. If you want to buy rentals and you live in LA, you're going to have to look elsewhere. But if you want to... Um, but you know, with the internet, <laughs> I mean, the information... Zillow goes to every market. And you can communicate with people in any market. And you can really do it long distance fairly easily. Um, building the team is the most important part by a long shot. 
So I want to get a little bit more detailed here. And we're going to tell the rest of your story, but I want to just, the first property you bought in North Carolina, how did you do it? How did you find the property? Well, let me, I cheated. So my the story is not that I started long distance. The story is I started, I was stationed at Fort Bragg, North Carolina. Okay. And so I bought a little condo there. I uh, didn't really know what I was doing. Terrible deal. And then I bought a, um, a house hack, pretty good deal. And then I moved away. And then I bought six, six more over the next two years while I was in Las Vegas. So I had a, a little bit of a cheat in that I um, had started. Okay. Um, and I kind of knew the area a little bit, but... Um, so those next six, how are you finding those six deals living on the other side of the country? Well, in 2016, you could still go on the MLS and buy the the list of foreclosures that was left over from the, the global financial collapse. Um, towards the end, it started... A lot more deals came off market. Um, a lot of it is just networking, you know? Um, and some of it is social media exposure. The more people know you, the more that they just want to be part of what you're doing. So uh, in 2017, I bought the one, I bought it off the MLS blind. In fact, my contractor didn't even see it. I just bought it off the MLS pictures. And, uh, and that's just a, a matter of knowing your, you got to know your market really well. Um, the rest of them, uh, some of them are off the MLS, some of them are off market. Again, it's just, you know, when you tell enough people what you're trying to do, Hey, look, I want to buy distressed rentals. I know my criteria real well. I know what works. I know what, you know, the neighborhoods are like, know your market, know your market, know your market. And then when somebody will bring you a deal, because um, if you're on wholesaler buyers list, like they're sending you stuff. I mean, it's mostly crap. But if you really know what you're doing, if you really know what you're trying to buy, when they send you the one that's the right deal, you can close on it. So it was just a matter of um, letting people know what I was doing and being really um, specific about knowing what I wanted to buy. So, okay. So the, um, you find the deal, you uh, go through it, you, uh, do, do you do rehab on it? Oh yeah. Super rehabs. Yeah. I buy the ugliest things that that I could possibly From find. on the other side of the country, you're doing a, a rehab project. Oh, yeah. I bought one that, um, I just bought one that the kitchen had a fire in it. Nobody would go near it. And, and in fact, that's, I, the ugliest ones are uh, where all the money is. Like the low-hanging fruit has no juice. <laughs> so, so talk me through that. I mean, I think a rehab is scary for someone who lives down the street. Must be terrifying for someone on the other side of the country. How did you um, avoid that um you know, that rehab going south, basically. Contractors. You're saying contractors are uh, notoriously terrible? I agree. Uh, <laughs> look, <laughs> uh, you got to find good people. And that's admittedly the hardest part. Some of it I got lucky. I've been through a bunch of contractors. The one I have now is uh, my lifeline. He's fantastic. Um, and some of that is in designing incentive systems that create mutually um, conducive long-term goals. Mm -hmm. So what happens is a lot of people think, I just got to get this contract in there. I got to get him to do this job. And then I got to get out. And then we'll worry about the next one, the next one. And what I've found is... And it's a, it's a, it's a line you got you to gotta kind of walk because you don't want to go around, you know, if you're a beginner and you have no track record saying, hey, I'm going to do one of these a month and you end up promising something you can't deliver on. Yeah. And it doesn't, it doesn't add to a, a beneficial relationship. But as you start getting going a little bit, you can say, hey, look, I've done three of these in the last six months. I'm going to do another three in the next six months. Do you want to be a part of a long-term success model that I have a track record? You can, my trajectory is now clear. So I'm going to do this with or without you. And if you pay people well... You make their um, you make working with you easy, um, and um, you you find somebody that has a long term similar vision. Then I think uh, part of the, the question you asked is like it, it trust. How can you trust this contractor? And so I tell people, you know, don't trust anybody. Just put yourself in a position so you don't need it. Are are you are you hiring a second person to kind of walk behind the con contractor? No. Okay, so so contractor does the work, and through pictures and video. 
you're able to verify he did what he's supposed to do. Look, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Mine is people. My strength is people, thankfully. And I can, um, I'm like a human lie detector. So I know when somebody is not doing what they're supposed to do. Okay. And so you have them call you pictures, videos, and that remote is enough. Yeah. I mean, you, everybody's had a contractor ducking them on phone, right? Well, fire them. You know, go find the person that works really well with you. I, in fact, uh, not only do I not check up on behind these people, I mean, I check up on them like you know, they're they're adv- they they send me the the information. I don't, I'm not checking up behind them in some way that I don't that would um, you know, jeopardize. go counter to their yeah, jeopardize yeah. the trust, right? So, uh, but the other thing is, I pay my contractor in full at the time of closing. I don't even parcel the money out, so I'll send I'll close the deal and I'll send them the thirty grand all at once. So again, it's like. You got to find the right people. Yeah. And you, and you got to, you know, you, you haven't been burnt by that. Like you send them the money and they get the work done. I've been burnt once. Uh, the guy that burned me once for 2,500 bucks was a guy that I was in the army with that I was friends with for 10 years. And he burned me over 2,500 bucks. The contractor, the guy that I met four years ago, my, one of my closest friends now, um, he's, he's undervalued. Never mind. You know, he does more for me than I could possibly ask. So it really is about finding the right people, but it also That's is amazing. about, you know, they got to want to work with you. You can't ask for them. They, they got to be, they, you got to be somebody that they want to be a part of. And now like, why would he burn me? I'm going to make him rich. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> uh, here's another one. Actually. Um, you know, one of the things that I do to build relationships is I make sure everybody else is getting, ma- making a lot of money. So in addition to my contractor getting my work, I sent him probably 45 rehab jobs last year in the town. So like, He's happy with you. So the the thirty grand, whatever per job, he's like, I'm gonna burn him over. No, I'm right. not gonna burn him over. Right. This. You, you have so much leverage there. Well, that's it, right? So I create incentive systems that people couldn't possibly turn away. It's amazing. Okay, so I mean, this is uh, fascinating. I think it's interesting. I mean, in this world, I I feel like a lot of times people treat contractors. I mean, I hate to say like slaves, but almost like a slave. I mean, like, definitely not with a lot of respect. Definitely not with a trustworthy relationship. Um, to you, they're, they are a, a partner in the deal, it sounds like. Everybody I work with is my partner. I, mean, I, don't, I just don't do transactions. I just, it doesn't work for my personality, and I don't think it's a good way to do business, like just blind transactions. I'm not saying that I never do them. I, did a, you know, I had my apartment repaved this weekend. It's like I met the guy. We had some, did some good business, and he's going to go on his way, and it's probably not something that's going to be long-term. But, right. Um, right. You'd rather that long-term, let's um, go real deep with someone. Yes. I mean, he just called me, right? Like, my best incentive system is to go get another apartment building so I can get him paid. Yeah. And then we can develop a relationship that, you know, if I can feed his family, then we're friends forever. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, there's no question in our business. And I'm sure you find the same way. Our issues lie where we don't have long-term deep partnerships. That's every, that's every human's problem. Like <laughs> yeah. people just don't think long-term, yeah. you know, and they're thinking about how can I get this job done? And the contractor, you know, they go in with maybe a little bit of cynicism, like you said, um, you know, I, and, and I'm very guilty of this, like, you know, contractors, Jesus, you know, they're all, nothing but a nightmare. I mean, right. except mine, mine's amazing. Right? <laughs> but, um, so you, you kind of, what I'll tell people is like, you know, invest in that relationship. You know, my contract and I, I took him out to lunch every Friday for like eight months and it was just like, Hey, let's just have lunch and hang out. And then it's, that, that, that's not something that's just gonna, um, now you can't do that with everybody, but it is, it's the, hard to walk off on the job with someone who you're having lunch with every couple of weeks. Yeah. And you get to know this person. So, you know, like, hey, maybe, maybe if you had lunch with more of these contractors that screwed you over, you'd find out you didn't want to do business with them in the first place. So like go slower, maybe yeah. a little bit. You know, people yeah. are always worried about the deal, the deal, the deal, the deal. And I'm like, yeah, the deal is important, but it's not as important as the people who are going to do all the work. Unless you're going to go swing the hammer, then the person who's going to do the labor is, is critical. 
And so investing in that relationship is more important, I think, than investing in the, the like thinking about the houses. And it's, and same thing goes for like finding deals, right? Make a bunch of wholesalers money, um, send them business, re, uh, landlo- uh, realtors, whatever the case, like invest in those relationships. Yeah. And then they'll bring you all the deals you can handle. That's awesome. Um, okay. So, so you, you, uh, you typically buy the money with private money or how do you? I spent five years saving up cash. Okay. So it's your own cash. And then you pay the contractor up front, contractor does the work, and then you refi right away. So what, I've, what I do is a, a, Fannie Mae has a program called Delayed Finance. And Delayed Finance says you can get back, um, the, the rule is 100% of HUD or 75% LTV, whichever one's lower, and you can get it with no seasoning period. And so basically what happens is you go out, you buy a house, say you pay 30 grand, and then the rehab, that's what goes on the HUD, the 30 grand. And then the... And then the rehab is 30 grand. Well, if you go use delayed financing, they're only going to give you back 100% of what's on HUD, no matter what the house is worth. So I started adding the rehab costs to HUD. And so when I go to pay for the house, I pay for the house all up at front. I pay for the rehab. And so I'll write a check for 65,000. And then in the fastest one I did was eight and a half weeks. So eight, so I close the house, 65,000. He rehabs it. We find a tenant in probably... Uh, like five weeks that took rehab the house, find a tenant, and then we can go to the bank and say, um, we want to refinance. So that was about three weeks. And so it came out to about eight and a half and I had a hundred percent of my money back because the house was worth, um, like 90 grand. So they gave me a hundred percent of my money back in eight weeks and I had a cash flow and rental and my, you know, the, the, uh, so that's why I pay for it all up front. So it goes right to him and then I get it all back here. Got it. So there, there's a strategy to paying for the contractor up front because you actually want that money sitting on the HUD transaction sheet. It's got to be on there. And you, have to, and you can't change the HUD once it's closed. People email me all the time and they're like, I already closed. How can I fix this? It's like once that HUD's recorded, you're an owner. Right. So you want to, at closing, have that money on there, push the money right to the contractor, the bank is financing basically the whole thing then. Yeah. And like, you, look, if you don't know your contractor well, you can usually have your title attorney parcel it out. Escrow. Yeah, escrow. So it's not to say that, um, that, that that's not possible. Um, I don't need to do it. I'm not suggesting that you don't. What I'm suggesting is if you want to do it the way I do, then you need to invest in the relationship with the contractor. And then you say Fannie Mae, but I mean, it wouldn't have to be Fannie Mae, right? I mean, a local bank or credit union could probably operate this way. Well, a local bank can't give you a 30-year mortgage. Okay. Okay. So the, the, right. The, I meant the kind of the way you're setting up the closing. I don't go through Fannie Mae. I go through a, a regular traditional mortgage broker. But what I'm saying is the, the, the delayed financing is a Fannie Mae program so that you can get a, the, the fancy 30 year low interest rate that everybody wants for their, you know, single families yep. without having to wait the six month seasoning. Yeah. And great. without having to give up all those rehab costs, leaving right. them in the deal. Right, right, right. It's a it's, niche, but it's my niche. I love it. Um, I want to shift into uh, the power of, so we, in this show, we talk a lot about tech, talk a lot about platforms and, and innovation and how that helps real estate investing. And I know one that you've gotten into recently is essentially YouTube and video and, and stuff like that. Talk about, um, you know, I think oftentimes people think about tech and helping in real estate. They think about ways of either decreasing operating costs or finding deals. Um, in your case, you're essentially using tech and marketing systems as an advantage in real estate. Talk me through that a little bit. Yeah, I'm. I'm not a. I'm not tech. Uh, I'm. I'm tech savvy, but I don't. Uh, I certainly don't use tech in the way that um, probably a lot of people do now. With in terms of efficiency, um, again, my angle is people, and so I use tech to um, tell stories. Uh, like I said, videography, um, which uh, you can get 
you know, uh, video production equipment incredibly cheap now. And so anybody can go online and tell um, a unique story that, that you can broadcast this to, um, to the whole planet <laughs> incredibly cheaply. Uh, Gutenberg would be, would be astonished, would be jealous. <laughs> uh, and so I, I apologize. You know, I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to, I, I don't know. No, 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 no. I don't know. So, so I, I don't apologize. What I'm, what I'm, what I'm, what I'm probing at here is, so you're using tech in a very innovative way. And I want to, I think our audience will be really interested by this is using a channel like YouTube to create video, to tell a story of what you've done, um, explain to folks and myself why, how that helps you as a real estate investor. Yeah. So I think it, it, we, we live in a weird society where YouTube is, um, it's been around for a long time that nobody feels like it's new, but to me, it's brand new. <laughs> like if you think about like again like Gutenberg like the printing press right it's like <laughs> the printing press is not new but books are still around so do you think you, so if you take that and you extrapolate like you, videos on the internet are not going to go away they're going to get bigger um so when I started my website two years ago it was just like a like a passion project like here I'm just gonna tell my story maybe somebody people listen that's how I've gotten most of my deals my 24 unit somebody found me on my website they said they liked what I wanted to do they wanted to buy a, a multifamily in that area they brought me the deal. They had all the money and they said, let's do this together. And so it was because that I, I don't use any extravagant tech, but what I do is I use the tech that we have that has, we, it's so ubiquitous that we almost take it for granted. And so people aren't on the internet telling their stories and they're not, they don't have their own website. They don't have a YouTube and, and it seems so, so close, right? Like, Hey, I could do YouTube. I just don't. Well, I mean, you're missing out. Um, because I think it's going to be the way that people relate to each other, uh, in the most common way. Yeah, I mean, forward. it's funny you, you, in one aspect you say you don't use a lot of tech but i actually think what you're doing is is incredibly innovative uses of tech of tech that i mean youtube's been around now 10 12 years but but really hitting the masses the last three four five brand new right it's brand new and so the concept of creating a video to tell your story as a way to get a deal in real estate that is, I mean, you are absolutely cutting edge and I think it's brilliant because at a time right now where, I mean, how many people do you meet that say, I, you know, I want to find a deal? You know, there's no deals to be had. There's no deals. So many people come to me and this is amazing to me because I've only been doing it, like I said, two years and my YouTube's only a few months old. It's brand new. That's not how I'm, YouTube's my new focus, but that's not how I get most of my, um, my uh, opportunities. But it's incredible that um, if you just tell your story on the internet um, and you do so, you know, I'm very... I'm loud, so that helps, right? You can't yeah. be, you got to be entertaining, you got to be engaging, but um, it's well, amazing. Or, or play to what you're good at, I guess. For I mean, sure, yeah. I mean, if you just want to be an internet personality, then you're going to have a, a tough struggle. But, you know, if you have something to say and something to teach, some people, you can help some people and make it entertaining along the way. Um, it's amazing to me still that how many people reach out to me on a daily basis and they're like, here's a deal. Here's a, um, here's, I will give you some money. Here's this, here's this. I want to help. I just want to be part of it. And I find that I think, you know, everybody with a cell phone could do it. It's the, it's the will. And so when, I, when, when you say you know, tech and I say, well, I'm not that tech. I'm not using any cutting edge tech. I'm using the tech that everybody has. They're just, uh, you know, it's scary to put your face on YouTube and to do it in a way that's you know, productive and useful and not yeah. totally cringy and embarrassing, which I do do a lot of that. So um, let's say someone's sitting out there today and they've done 10, 15, 20 deals, 40 deals, whatever. And they're thinking, man, this is smart. I need to be doing this. Um, do you recommend someone go out and spend a thousand dollars on video equipment, or do you think just get your cell phone and start taping stuff on YouTube? Cell phone. Uh, you'd be amazed that I'm sitting here with a 
you know, $4,000 camera and my cell phone and, uh, in the right conditions, they're within 10% of each other. Um, in terms of quality, like you wouldn't notice, like I could take that cell phone and I could make it look like you wouldn't notice that it's the camera. So some of it is just, you know, maybe learning a little bit about how the um, composition and lighting. Right. Um, but you can do so much with your cell phone and like, do use your cell phone for six months, then buy the camera. Like going out and buying the camera is not going to make your life easy. Uh, in fact, cameras often, expensive cameras often make people's life harder because they're more complicated. Um, yeah, I, I bet there's a ton of people who uh, say, I don't want to start doing video until I have an awesome camera. Yeah. And it's just really a, a, a way to, I mean, essentially they're just putting it off. <laughs> yeah, well, that's incredible. That's, that's common for everything. It's like, I don't want to buy the house until I really know what I'm doing. And it's like, <laughs> you won't until you buy the first crappy <laughs> <Right>. deal. And then <laughs> you, So I, you know, and, I, and I'm guilty of that as well. For sure, like YouTube, like oh well, you know, I want this right and I want that right. So I understand that there's a little, there, there is a level of preparation involved, um, and you want to put out a quality product. I'm not a fan of just um, putting anything up, and then you, you have to find your balance because you want to be you want to put something up that you're fairly proud, proud of. Yeah, yeah, you don't want to be like yeah. oh I put this up and I hate it. So, right, but we're also not talking six months to get to the be proud of something, right? Well, look, you know, go home, put your get a little stand, right? Put your thing up and record ten videos yourself and never list them. Just, just put them, just record them. And then you'd be surprised how that, that, um, there's no downside to that. There's no downside risk to that, um, yeah. operation. It's yeah, good practice. That. And, and still, I bet you people won't do it cause they'll feel it's very, um, invasive. It's can make you cringe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I remember, I mean, even creating content for a, a podcast, the first time I did it, uh, it's uncomfortable. Do you, it's uh, weird. do you edit your own voice? Uh, no, not only that, I don't even listen to nope. my podcasts. Yeah, I, I was, can't do it. I, I'm too critical. Yeah. I uh, tried to do a podcast and I was editing myself and then I quickly gave up. Yeah. So yeah, I, can, I ship it off to somebody else and um, on the next one, I listen to a lot of other podcasts as kind of feedback and then I'll ask people for feedback of, Hey, what do you think was good? What guests did you like? How we tell stories? And then it's like you said, part of this is just, it's just repetition. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, that you just the more you repeat something, you're going to get better at it. Anything that you do that, um, if you think about anything you've done that was hard at first and now it's mundane, like any job you've ever had, when you got there the first day, you're probably nervous, right? By six months in, you're like, um, I'm bored out of my mind because it's so, it's easy. Yeah. It's mundane. It's become so anything. So it's the same thing, right? Um, probably this with you, like you were probably really nervous now. Now it's, you're like, okay, do another show. Easy, right? No big deal. Um, and same thing with houses, right? Like my first house, I was incredibly nervous, like incredibly nervous and I thought it was a big deal. And in fact, I was incredibly proud of it. And it wasn't that good a deal. And da, da, da. And then by the time that you get to the eighth one, you're like, you know what? I don't really want to buy single family homes anymore. It's too easy. I want to do something else. Um, <laughs> because it went from nervous to, mon to mundane fairly yeah. quick. But yeah, that's yeah. the same way it is. So if, you were, if you're nervous about doing podcasts or YouTube, the best thing you can do is just... How many deals... I think this is an important number for the audience to hear. How many... Let's see. How many units? How many units do you think you've acquired due to creating videos? Not that many. Probably the last... Three, my twenty-four unit, the the firehouse. Well, no, 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 no. That's I mean, so well, that's twenty-four units. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, uh, for I, some people, that would be a life achievement. So, um, so, 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 your last three deals all came from how you're creating content, including a twenty-four unit. Uh, yeah, and the all the people who invest, we raised money for the twenty-four unit, um, because I didn't want to have just me and one guy. I wanted to spread it out so we can. Uh, I found value in bringing outside partners. So the other three people, um, that invested came from my website. So you also raised private money. That's awesome, man. So, that is so cool. Um, cool. So, uh, na so you're living in North Carolina now. So three weeks ago, I packed up and I left Las Vegas because I didn't want to own that mortgage anymore while I'm uncertain of the economic future there. Um, so I sold it. I took my equity and I ran. And I'm in North Carolina for three or four months. And I 
probably won't stay there. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna work on uh, YouTube and I'm gonna flip some houses while I'm there. And then I'm really not sure what I'm gonna do next. To be honest, the universe will tell me. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, I can't even with with your level of passion. Uh, I feel like anything's possible. Um, I want to ask you a question. I ask every guest here, which is, um, you know, you're I consider you actually super innovative. You're definitely getting after it. Um, what excites you the most over the next like two, three, four years? in real estate from a kind of like either tech or evolution perspective, things that maybe four or five years ago weren't possible? Um, I'm not at the forefront of this, but um, blockchain technology and the way that you're going to buy parcels of real estate, again, I'm not at the forefront of it, but it, it offers a lot of um, opportunity for people to get into real estate, kind of like REITs, but um, in, a, in a new manner. And it's going to take them a little while to work that out. Blockchain technology with titling I think is going to be revolutionary. Um, titling is one of the biggest uh, barriers to entry for the, the transactional you know, difficulty of real estate. So if you get it on a blockchain where it's almost instantaneous, uh, the transactional cost would come down and the transactional complexity would come down. So yeah, I, I that's a great point. I mean, if you're, so let's, I mean, I'm trying to think of the math. So when you're buying a, let's say a hundred thousand dollar property in, in North Carolina, your title costs on that are probably 1500. I don't know. You tell me. Less than that. A thousand. Less than that. A couple hundred bucks, yeah. Okay. But still, I mean, but it, but it takes... I mean, it, it takes, in Pennsylvania, it's but, not 500. In Pennsylvania, it takes, it's a thousand. I'm buying a 20... Okay, I'm buying a $20,000 house. Uh, it doesn't look that bad either, so... <laughs> I'm buying this $20,000 house and it's taking me two weeks. What's that cost? Oh, so it's a, it's a, there's a time cost too. Of course there's a time cost. I mean, yeah. title, title's not tomorrow, right? right. If it was blockchain... Then it might be tomorrow. Could be tomorrow. It could be instant, which allows you to potentially go to a, a home buyer and say, "I want to, I want to close your house," and Cor literally, I could, I could close tomorrow. Correct. Now, yeah. what would that change for real estate? Right, that would change the whole game. What, what, what would it change for? Right, it would change the entire the uh, part of the, and I wonder how it would change the profitability because part of the profitability m m aspect of real estate is in its illiquidity. Right, it's hard to get rid of, and so that's why you pay more, and that's why realtors get three percent and da da. But if I could walk up to you tomorrow and buy it through blockchain, and I, and it took the illiquidity portion out of real estate, then I think you'd see a dramatic shift in how, um, and th these, this is very speculative. This is not four or five years, but kind of that's where you asked me what I was thinking. Yeah. I mean, I, so I think the grand scheme of making real estate transactions more liquid is definitely coming in the next couple of years. And it, that's a long road. That's probably a 10 year road, but you'll see things get chiseled off along the way. But I mean, I mean, you know, when we when we're in a hundred thousand dollar transaction of a property, the transactional costs, the real estate agent, the trans the the title things like that 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 could in theory go much lower. I mean they are easily in the two three thousand dollars on a on a property where you're all in investment. If you buy it normal, not your crazy way of buying things, but you know <laughs> if you buy it normal, if your investment's twenty, you're looking at fifteen percent of your investment maybe being in transactional costs. That's a that's a big deal. Yeah, and I also wonder if those transactional costs come down, then the profitability costs the profitability possibility comes down as well because more people can get into the market now. or the price goes up <laughs> oh okay, yeah yeah that's the point or the price goes up um right. i also I, i'm i'm watching every bit of um our entire entire society any culture or any um, industry that hasn't changed with the internet um is is destined to for some disruption so real estate agents are one titles another one like they haven't changed in the internet when anything that you look at um, has changed dramatically from the internet. So I look at attorney, uh, excuse me, um, title attorneys and I look at realtors and I'm like, you guys, j you haven't figured it out yet, but you're next. So I, I posted this to Facebook the other day. I posted that I think uh, there will be 15 to 20% of the total real estate agent pool left in 10 to 15 years. 
And people I'm, thought it was crazy. I think yeah, I, I, I'm going to say you're probably crazy. Um, <laughs> I, 15% left. You're saying a 90, a 90, a 85% yeah. reduction. Yeah. I, 80% reduction of real estate agents are only the best survive because the transactional of real estate gets so much easier. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to, I think you're, you can see, you can call me crazy. Okay. No, no, I'm just, I was going to say wrong. <laughs> um, uh, I think you, I, I would tend to agree. Uh, five, uh, three years ago, I would have agreed with you. Now I think um, people are going to need their handheld more. And so uh, real estate as a service. So a guy like uh, you and me that maybe buys, as I call it, I buy a house, never a home. Right. I don't care what it, I know what I'm getting and I know how to do it. I don't need a real estate agent. Right. So for people like us, real estate right. agents are going to go away right. almost completely. Yeah. Um, for the home buyers, I actually think that they may pay more. Um, and I think there'll be a, 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 I think real estate is a service kind of, but remember half of the, half of the transactions that have a real estate agent are, are selling the property. Yeah. I, look, you might be right. Look, I'm not um, trying to convince but, you. But, just, but, but, just but to... maybe somewhere in between. I do think there'll be a, a drastic, I do, I do agree that there'll be a drastic reduction in the amount of um, realtors. 85% I think would be optimistic. Okay. Um, well, either way, somebody, um, somebody put this in their calendar. I want to talk to you again in, in eight years and see where we're at. I think January 1st, I'm going to do some kind of a post to put this in the actual ethos, my actual prediction in writing, and then people can call me out or take take a side. Well, how many, here's the question, I guess it will be how many real estate agents will there be in 2025? I wonder if the nature of real estate agents will change too. Like I said, maybe it won't be percentage based. Maybe it'll be, I, I just wonder if it'll change, especially with the changing, the nature of work yeah. where I think. I, I honestly think person-to-person -person transactions will become more valuable. So there may be less, but like you said, the ones who are actually good with people, not the person who's like, well, I got nothing better to do, so I'll get my real estate right. license. Right, the, the low-quality uh, agent goes away. Yeah, well, the, that'll also depend on the um, profitability of homes, which I think um, it's hard to say what's going to happen with technology because in some ways I say, well, the profitability has to come down because the transactional cost will come down. But like you said, if the transactional cost com comes down, maybe the prices go up. Right. It doesn't really that, change that, the that would be the, That's what economics would say would happen. I mean, we'll have to see. <laughs> Alex, man, you, uh, super, super intriguing guest on our show. You've taught us a ton and definitely um, got me more excited, actually, to post more video content to the interwebs. Do it. You need a blow dryer, though. We're going to get you. I'm going to get you right. Yeah, no, you and got then be famous. A, by the way, you, you can't see this on the podcast, but you got a good looking hairstyle right there. True that. Um, <laughs> man, let me tell you. Um, all right. Uh, hey, if people want to reach out to you, uh, what? Uh, how should they do that? Brokeasachoice.com. Brokeasachoice.com. Broke is a choice. Brokeisachoice.com. Brokeisachoice.com. Broke okay. Broke okay. Broke I love the URL. It's a great URL. I know, right? It's uh, Some people like it. Some people hate it. That's okay. exactly what I want. Brokeisachoice.com. Uh, are you like? Are you a Facebook guy too? Or I am you, a Facebook LinkedIn guy. LinkedIn? No, I hate LinkedIn. LinkedIn okay. is a uh, Craigslist with really good profile pictures. <laughs> it's all spammers to me. Um, yeah, uh, Alexander Scott Felice on Facebook. It's, uh, me and my pink shoes and my angel wings. <laughs> <laughs> no shortage of, uh, excitement. Love it. Uh, last question for you here before I cut you off in, uh, in five years, what would be like the home run? What, what, what would you want to be doing in five years or have done? Uh, a Virgin Galactic will sell you a plane ticket to space for 200 grand about now. So five years. You want to be in space? I'll be in space. Like living in space or just no, on a little I don't want to live in space. I want to live in America, but I want to visit space. What if America like owns, owns land in space? Would oh, you, then I can would... go. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All right, Alex. <laughs> hey, good stuff, man. Uh, love it. Really cool stuff. Hey, and anyone out there, I hope this gets you off the couch and to creating more content. Uh, you know, maybe set a goal for yourself the next week. Create some piece of content video or, or your choice. 
Um, I think it's really good stuff. Alex is closing awesome deals because of it and you can too. So thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. It was a blast. Cool. See you soon. So that's our episode of Real Estate Hackers. Thanks for joining us in your real estate investing journey. We come out with fresh new episodes weekly. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And if you would, let your fellow investors know about us. Also, if you've ever hacked or found a unique solution to an issue in the real estate space, hit me up. We may even share your real estate hack on a future episode. Check out our site at realestatehackers.com, on Instagram, at realestatehackers, or email me directly at chad at realestatehackers.com. Real Estate Hackers is an on-air brands production. Huge thanks and shout out to Eric and the team at On Air Brands. Be sure to check them out at onairbrands.com. This is Chad Gallagher, your host of Real Estate Hackers. Hope to see you at our next meetup or live event. And who knows, you may even be the next guest hacker on our show. See you soon.